Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. Mr. Dusty, y'all ready for an hour of Penn State football talk? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes in the past, uh, and I would I would venture to say quite often, just uh, anecdotally, Penn State has played a weak non-conference team, and it's hard to talk for 60 minutes. Like, the Villanova game is a good one, at, you know, FCS, just like Delaware was. And that was hard to talk about because it just wasn't clean. You left the stadium, I'm sure, as a fan, wanting so much more than you got. And there were there have been a lot of examples of this over time. So now we've got 60 minutes and we've got a team that was thorough and efficient and organized and and just dominant. And everybody left the stadium with a good taste in their mouth. So I think we can very much fill a show with this. You know what? You make a great point. Very seldom could you go out of a game where the spread is over 40 points and you feel good about your performance. It's it's really hard to do, but they managed to do that, Dusty. And, you know, before we get into the specifics, let, let's just look at the p- big picture. Your The big thoughts, big takeaways for you from this game. Well, the, it starts right there because it it does feel like more often than not, Penn State has been flat against bad teams or played down to the competition, maybe. Uh, and in this one, I mean, I don't know if you can really point to a lot outside of that rushing touchdown they gave up where things went haywire or they were sloppy. Like, you know, there, there were some penalties and stuff, but um, this was a really good, efficient you know, dominant performance. And and I thought that that was important. And I, you know, within that, and we'll talk more about um, that, but I I felt like early in the game, especially like Penn state's first drive, there wasn't really like a lot of rhythm in the offense, but they found a way to kind of keep churning and keep going until they found their stride and found their rhythm. So the fact that I don't care who they were playing, the fact that they were able to score a touchdown when they were still kind of ironing things out uh, was good. Um, Drew Aller, you know, the, the challenge against West Virginia, was to you know beat that cover zero, was to uh, deal with the pressure that they were throwing at him, and, and he did that. Uh, in this game, they sw- they flooded the field with defensive backs. That's how D- Delaware plays, and it was just they, they just tried to take away everything over the top. And I think for the most part, they were successful in doing that, but the fact that Drew Aller put together such an efficient performance and he didn't ever get greedy – he, he just kept taking what, what he saw. Uh, I thought it was a really good thing for, you know, his uh, repertoire of, of uh, intangible skills. You know, I, I just thought that that was just a nice heady way to go about it. He didn't get impatient at all. Um, that 66-yard touchdown, I mean, it does create other conversations. That's my third takeaway is that, you know, that particular question that we've talked about often, it still lingers out there. And it doesn't go away whenever you have um, – you know, such a big miss like that where they, they, they weren't very gap sound on that play. So if Marcus Yarns is going to do it, what's Blake Corum going to do? You know, and, and I think that's something to keep watching. And then, you know, I, I feel like uh, Jameel Lyons is definitely a guy to watch. So that, that next group of freshmen uh, that we hadn't seen in week one, uh, I thought did some good things in this game and, and kind of set the stage for what we might see down the line. 
All right, Dusty, let's go right to it. Good, bad, ugly. Let's look at the one bad and ugly play, okay? <laughs> right. Let's let's get that one out of the way. It's out there. And, you know, it's tough when you have let, – let, just staying on the defensive side of the ball. At the end of the day, they gave up only 58 yards passing, which is just crazy. Yeah. 122 yards rushing, which is a great number to hold the team to. Over half of them, 66 of them, came on that one play. I know, it's kind of like, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how do we like to play? (laughs) But other than that, 66 yards, help me with the math. What's 122 minus 66? 56. 56, yes. There there was a point. There'd be no math, but 56 (laughs) yards. There was a point where they had that 66-yard touchdown on the board, and they had fewer than 66 rushing yards in this game. So that was yeah. kind of telling. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's what you should expect from from a good defense and that has such a big advantage speed-wise, athletically. Delaware just looked like they were playing against about 17 guys on that side of the ball. That That's that's the way, especially in the, in the passing game. There was just no prayer. Like th- this team that was supposed to be built around the pass and loved loved doing that. It could test Penn State deep and all that. There was just nothing to do, nowhere to go. And I think the the quarterback Ryan O'Connor got dinged around a little bit early, and that probably hurt him. Uh, you know, in, in the second, third, and fourth quarters of, of this game. So I think Penn State's defense looked exactly how they were supposed to look, save for that one play. And I know, you know, James Franklin talked about gap discipline. Um, I'd love to know who all maybe missed that assignment or if it was just one guy, but there's one guy in particular who's getting killed on social media. And I think probably deservedly. So I watched the replay full disclosure. I did not watch the game live. I was at a wedding. My niece got married. Congratulations to Chris and Vicky. Wonderful day. Wonderful event. Can we, can we talk just real quick about the idea of fall weddings? I know some people find them very offensive. Uh, I don't personally. Do you? My issue is I I took full responsibility. I did not teach my niece well enough. You do not do weddings in the fall, okay? It's on me. Like coaches, when you lose, you got to take full responsibility. I will take the responsibility <laughs> for this. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Do you know what's crazy? And I have not looked at the schedule. On the other side of my family, I have a nephew who just announced he's engaged. Uh, Because of this side of the family with the wedding, I wasn't there when they had their discussion. They announced the wedding for a fall Saturday of next year. Dusty, whoever Penn State plays October 5th, I'm not going to see the game. So it's on me. This gives me a good idea. What if we created a marketplace where you can trade your nieces and nephews for other nieces and nephews? Like maybe somebody who doesn't care about fall Saturdays can take on your, uh, you know, ill judgment niece and nephew on this one. Just, just a thought. I'm thinking more of going through the transfer portal. On this. <laughs> yeah. A way, a way anyway, the, the, you, you watch the replay. Some- yeah, there is some NIL money involved if necessary. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I watched the replay and, of course, had already heard about this play. So I was looking for it. 
paused it, replayed it, and I'm not sure, especially after what James Franklin said about, you know, gap discipline, that you could go any other way but Tyler Elston. Yeah. He he bit inside and he got beat. I don't think there was anybody else around. And I think people who listen to our show know we really don't like to throw individual players under the bus, especially, you know, defensively. You don't know who where the mistake is off and what the rotation was supposed to be. But Dustin, I'm not sure I could see another route to take on this one. I, I suspected that that James was just not mentioning any one individual by name there, but that was the only individual. And this was just happened to be the defense that they were playing and the look that they got, there was no safety blanket. There was nobody really behind him. There was just a hundred percent trust between the line and the linebackers to wrap up and do their job, at least maybe uh, make the kid bounce outside. And so it looked like maybe Elsden response, his responsibility on that play was, the edge and he just kind of bit inside where it looked like a pile was starting to move. And I, I don't know if he was going to make a contribution, even if the ball was there. So it, it was really kind of fishy. And uh, I think, you know, he he's making a case to not play as much, you know, Penn State, I, I don't know where Penn State really stands with the idea of shaking up the, the depth chart at middle linebacker, if anybody is really in a position to make a contribution, if that's Tamir Robinson or if Tony Rojas can work in there more and they shuffle things around. But it, it does look to me like they need to rethink the percentages of snaps there. And I, I don't like saying that, but I feel like we saw Tyler Elsden, you know, like a fish out of water la- the week before on a play or two also. And you just, you can't have that, especially on a play like this, where it all kind of depends on him at the very least maintaining his assignment. And Dusty, you brought up Michigan earlier and gee, if you can't have gap discipline against Delaware, what's going to happen against <clears throat> Michigan. And what you hope is in a 63, seven game, if you're going to learn a lesson, how about in a game where you win 63 to 7? But in in and again, watching the tape, watching the replay, it seems so obvious. And the the comments from the team after Michigan a year ago was, oh, they didn't physically beat us up. We made the mistakes. We were all trying to do too much. And we got out of our gaps because we were trying to hit the six run home run. You know, we wanted to go, yeah. uh, you know, help there, make a big play. And instead of staying disciplined in where we belong. And I think I would just put that one play on replay the entire Michigan game week. Okay. Yeah. This is why you don't want to do that, Dusty. And this is Marcus Yarns. All right. It's Marcus Yarns. No disrespect to the FCS running back. Uh, he looked like he was about 175 pounds. He's not the running back who should who should go untouched for 66 yards against your defense. It's a bit. It, it, it's it's a big error. And and you know, I, I I it looked to me like like obviously Elsden was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I just didn't know like if the defensive end was supposed to suck in like that. Was he supposed to maybe play on the outside shoulder of of the tackle? Uh, I don't know for a fact on either of those, but it was not a good look for Tyler Elsden. And it, and it's, it is a good point that coaches usually don't have to look that far on film. Like they'll, they'll find the things that nitpick, but I think coaches in a sick way, 
uh, appreciate and and relish the opportunity to really lambaste somebody after sixty three seven, you know, to to really lay into to a, a group after sixty three seven. It's a nice way to be able to get. It's a severe mistake in a, and not a severe outcome. And I think the point of emphasis will be, look, you can't. Maybe you could get away with this against Delaware and still win sixty three to seven. You're not going to get away with this against Michigan or Ohio State or some of the other teams on their schedule. All right, Dusty. Somehow, some way, we managed to fill an entire segment with negativity when it's sixty-three-seven <laughs> or neg- negativity and fall weddings. Okay, we, we they're the, the same thing, Jim. They're the same thing. <laughs> Both a disaster, Dusty. (laughs) Both a disaster. No more. No more tolerance for that. We will get to the positive things come quarter number two. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Dustin. We're talking Penn State football. Somehow in a 63-7 game, we managed a whole lot of negativity for quarter number one. So, Dusty... I want to start quarter number two talking about Dom DeLuca, okay? Yeah. And his dropped interception in the first half. What do you say? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the perfect place to start. Kid can't <laughs> catch anything. <laughs> he can't catch a cold, Dusty. No. <laughs> Let's go to the positive side. You know I'm the Dom DeLuca fan. You know that. Oh, yeah. I was – I'll tell you what. And the rest of the weekend story, I promised the final one, wedding story. The recept- or the ceremony, church wedding, was at 1 o'clock. The reception was until like 4.30, so there was a gap in between. Guess who made it to a sports bar in between and oh, got to man. see that play live? Dom DeLuca with the pick six. For a player, a defensive player, anyone, a star player to make a pick six is a big deal. 
a guy who's a former walk-on to do this, Dusty, that's a pretty special event, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I love Don DeLuca. I mean, the, if you just watch him on that play, and like, again, you know, just like we mentioned in the previous play with the 66-yard run, like, I don't know exactly what his, assi- his assignment is or what he's looking for, what his keys are. But to me, it just looked like he played the entire thing perfectly. He, he was he was making the right line to where he needed to go. He read the quarterback's eyes. He uh, he, he caught the ball with his hands and not his body. Like he, he just he just did everything right on that play. And I think that's just kind of the story of Dom DeLuca doing everything right. Like he's obviously not the biggest guy, uh, moves pretty well. He's not the most physical guy or whatever, but he just he's he's endeared himself to everybody because he he does things the right way and. This was a reward for doing things the right way on that play. And he deserves that reward. He deserves the scholarship after last year. He deserves a, a big play like that, especially when he was probably kicking himself, you know, for the earlier, earlier portion of the game uh, to, to get that play. So I, anything, anytime anything good happens to Dom DeLuca, I take it as a personal victory of my own. And we're, you know, I don't, I don't root for this team. I don't root for any individuals, but I do root for Dom DeLuca. Yeah. It's, you know, I've told the story of getting to meet him and just was a wonderful kid. I, I do root for individuals. I do root for this team. I want them to succeed. But there are certain players when they do something special, I'm especially happy. And that was one of them. It's also, Dusty, I, I think if people listen to this show, they'll know we're also big fans of the safeties through the years. The, you know, Brisker, Brown. There's not the superstar there this season like there was in the past, but this is a group that I really like. I think you too do too. So when you see after no turnovers forced in game one, you had the DeLuca interception, then you've got two safeties combined to force another turnover. Keaton Ellis with the forced fumble, KJ Winston with the recovery. Again, something you like to see your safeties creating turnovers along with the whole defense creating turnovers. And this is something, you know, it, it's a big, it's, it's one of the bigger variables, I think, with this defense. You know, you look at the, the interior and the run defense, I think that still remains the big looming question. But the safety position, like they, they've been so fortunate with having not only really good safeties, but guys who just had such a knack for making splash plays. And you're really just looking at Jair Brown and you're looking at Jaquan Brisker for um, four years there. Uh, now it's just like, okay, who is the playmaker there? And I don't know, you know, like I, I think there there are some possibilities, but James Franklin was adamant all spring and summer that it was going to be a group effort. He liked that group, but they were collectively going to have to replace what what Tig Brown brought to it. And so on this play, they did, they, they took that, to heart collectively, two of them, they created that play, you know, good play for Keaton Ellis, veteran play for Keaton Ellis. And uh, KJ Winston was, was the man on the spot to recover there. They have to show that they can create plays like this. You know, it's great when your safeties can keep everything in front of you and, you know, support in the run game and do the basics of the position. But at, at certain points, you, you're going to need, some of those guys to do something like this. You have to change possession. You have to create a big play. You have to create momentum. You know, somebody on this defense, and I think safety so often was the position to do that. Uh, 
now I, I think it's just encouraging to see the safeties um, come together and make a play like that. And frankly, I think the Penn State defense is going to need more of that from that group. You know, you're going to need to see take the ball away. So uh, I, I think that was that was a good encouraging part of this game for the safeties is, is to get one under their belt. It, it really was. And with Manny Diaz's defense, it's designed for safeties to make plays. We've seen it in the past. Good to see that. All right, Dusty. I went essentially a segment and a half without getting to Drew Aller. It's time. And, you know, it's easy to say you want to look at Drew Aller with the big arm. You want to see the big plays. However, I got to say, I think I'm more impressed with the fact that he wasn't going for the big plays. I think Delaware was looking to keep them from getting the big play, had to keep him, wanted to see if he was disciplined enough to go underneath. And I was looking at the statistics afterwards, one completion, one completion for more than 20 yards. And he had, what was it, uh, 22 for 26. Again, only for 204 yards, which isn't this huge monster, you know, 350-yard game. Yeah. But he took what they gave him, methodically marched down the field, and I I think for him, I believe it was, what, five touchdowns in six drives? Yeah. That's pretty efficient work on offense. And also, remember, he didn't have a running back get a big play either. Neither Catron uh, Allen nor Nick Singleton had a run of over 20 yards. So I think for a young quarterback, that makes this even more impressive. Yeah, it's just the the offense as a whole, you know, to put up 63 points and to have those stats without the big plays, um, I think you would love to create big plays, but uh, there are going to be, I mean, the big plays just are not going to grow on trees when you're looking at elite defenses. You're going to have to be able to take what's there. You're going to have to deliver the ball with accuracy. You're going to have to be able to trust that if you stay on schedule, you can keep converting on third and shorts and uh, get yourselves in, in second and medium situations. I mean, I, I think what we saw was Jurella really managing the game, managing the offense, and, and uh, keeping it simple. You know, the number one thing that he needed to do was to not put the ball in danger in this game. It's the only thing as a quarterback, it's all obviously the a sacred thing, no matter what, but you know, the only way you're going to give a team that like Delaware hope is that you're going to, you give them a short field. Uh, and so he, he protected the ball. He delivered it on time where it should go. Uh, his, his job is not to create uh, ridiculous video game numbers for himself. And he, he, you know, I think he appreciated that in this game, but to move the ball with efficiency and to always stay on the I mean, that that was the beauty of the Penn State offense. And and I don't I mean, I don't care if we're talking about Trace McSorley or Sean Clifford. To me, and we've talked about this before, there just always seem to be cold stretches, dry spells, you know, a place where where McSorley was overthrowing, a place where Clifford wasn't delivering the ball with accuracy, and you end up punting you know, a few times in the first quarter or something, we didn't see any of that. And I think that contributes, I think, to the good vibe coming out of this game is that the offense, I don't think there's a better way to put it. They simply took care of business in this game. And I think that's a good thing for your your sophomore quarterback who's making a second start. 
And you look at Drew Al, or we all do, and think of the big arm, the big throws, the deep throws, the splash plays. And you know what? By default, it's there. We, I feel confident that it's there, Dusty. And if the opportunity comes, he's going to hit it. My question for him was, what would his decision-making be like when he took over as the starter? Could he take what the defense gives him? Could he always find the open man? Could he do those things? And we are seeing it over and over again. I think you put down in your uh, numbers, he's over 78% completion rate through two games. That is not what I think any of us really expected to see from him. For for sure. And I, I think I'm ready to say, like, I think he's better in those areas than Sean Clifford ever was. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people love and appreciate Sean and love his grit and love his, his, his gamer mentality. I think he imparted some of that uh, in, in the Drew and deserves some credit for the way last year went and, and Drew's development on, on all that. But I think Drew just has that, the timer, the internal timer, the internal it factor. Like, I think he just gets the position. And I feel like, you know, he is, you know, eaten, breathed, and and slept playing the quarterback position at a high level for a long time to build himself into what we see right now. And so I think there are some things that that come to him that are just innate. And, and that's kind of that's kind of it. And I wanted to point out, and, and this this was a talking point for James Franklin again about free free yards. You know, Penn State being able to get free yards by being able to hit those out routes. It's the only place on the field where they really give it to you because if you make that throw on a consistent basis, the defense, you just have to tip your cap. So now Penn State, he delivers the ball on the money uh, and gives the defense no shot at that. What I would really love to see as they get into conference play is, I don't know if it's double moves or whatever, but if you threaten that and you consistently take eight or 10 yards, defenses are going to adjust. And I think that opens things up to go over the top. They haven't shown over the top yet. I think they've not shown over the top for a reason at this point. And I think everything on film that you see is going to set up big shots down the field against good teams, the, the the kind of plays you have to make and you have to connect on uh, to win games like that. But I think what they're doing and him posing a threat to move the chains at will in situations like that, it's going to change how defenses look at this and it's going to change how cornerbacks are aggressive, trying to close ground whenever whenever a, a receiver does a comeback or whatever. You're going to see, you're going to see some double moves and things like that, Keandre Lambert-Smith or whoever. Uh, it's all being set up right now, and I think that's, that's something that's going to be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing those. And the other part to this, you mentioned, you know, uh, Sean Clifford not having the same skill set as Drew Aller doing this. But remember, we always talked, and we didn't know, the wide receivers aren't getting open, okay? That was the narrative. We're not saying that this year, are we? No, and and I think it's a collaborative effort, though. I think it was a collaborative effort when they weren't getting open, and it's a collaborative effort now that they are getting open. I, I do, too, and I think it's something about the quarterback finding the right guy. Right. All right, Dusty, that is it for quarter number two. Stick around. We'll get to the rest of the team in Q3. Stay tuned.
Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State-Delaware game. We went through the one negative play in the game, Dusty. We talked Drew Aller in quarter number two. Let's get to some of the, the rest of the team. Let's start on the offensive side. By the way, Penn State has a couple pretty good running backs. And our discussion about Drew Aller, I think you could almost draw an analogy for the running backs. They're not hitting the big plays. They're not hitting the home runs. Neither Allen nor Singleton had a run of 20 yards. But here's the other thing. If I'm reading my statistics right, Negative yards, Catron Allen, zero. Nick Singleton had a five-yard loss. There was one play where he lost five yards, and I think that was after Bo Prabula came in the game. There was one play and after the game had already been decided. So you had one negative yardage. They were taking what Delaware was giving them. They were methodical. They were efficient. No home runs? Correct. But they're getting a heck of a lot of base hits. Yeah, this was like um, this was like Joe DiMaggio's fifty-six game hitting streak. You know, this this was this was just one hit after another. They're they're just spraying singles and doubles, and that's fine. You know, I, I think it, it's an it's another interesting thing. Like the three-three-five defense, um, it, it does kind of have like an umbrella of protection against the big play on the ground too, right? Like if you if your defensive backs are, are covering a lot of ground on, on the back end and they're supporting against the run, uh, I, I think it's kind of tough to break a big one uh, against them there too. And that's not really Katron Allen's game in the first place. It is Nick Singleton's game, but I, I, I think he's evolved so much from, you know, weeks one, two, three, and four last year to now that he is he's taking what's there too. And he's able to not only take what's there, he's able to take more 
almost every single play because he's so fast and so powerful and so physical. Um, so three rushing touchdowns for, for him. Katron Allen got a bulk of the work. And I think we talked about this before in terms of their split. Like it makes sense for Allen to get a few more touches per game. It makes sense for that. You know, Singleton, you, you know what he's all about. And, you know, Penn State just very, very sensitive about making sure that people talk about and view Katron Allen in the same light as Nick Singleton, because you see Nick Singleton getting all that national love and all, all America, this and big 10 freshman of the year. They, they are really serious about making sure that Katron Allen gets that same amount of love. I'm not sure if they'll ever win that battle necessarily, but uh, he is an excellent, excellent running back in his own right. Uh, probably a little bit better, a little bit more tactical when it comes to making yardage happen in tight spaces inside the tackle box than, than Singleton is. But they were both really, really good in this game. Didn't force anything. I mean, I, I think that's the the collective maturity of these two guys too. Is is uh, you know Singleton, especially the the one area where he's evolved the most, is not trying to make uh, an eighty yard run when you can get seven and call it a day, move the chains and move on. So I, I think what you saw was just very, very good patient running from both of these guys in a situation where just like the passing game was a little bit limited in big plays when they got five DBs out there at all times. And, 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 you know, they're, they're going to be able to track you down um, before too long. So the big plays were just going to be hard running and passing in this game, but I still thought the passing and running games were both excellent. A week ago in his press conference, James Franklin really hammered home the point Katron Allen. Any yeah. coincidence that he got 19 carries, Nick Singleton got 12? I do not remember a game last year where there was that large a disparity in number of carries between the two of them. And I got no problem with that. You know, I I think Katron Allen gets better with with more carries. You know, I think there are some backs who really get better when they know they're getting 18 or 20 carries. Uh, I'm not sure you need to give Nick Singleton that many. Uh, but what, whatever, whatever buttons they're pushing, they have the luxury of being able to push them however they want and get two good backs on the field. Uh, I, I, I love the format. I don't know how many times we've seen the formation where they're both on the field, but I hope we see more of that going forward. Put your best players out there, Dusty. Yeah. Now we've talked about this before every week. You send me your notes for the week, your notes for the game. And one of your notes and I agree with this. It was good to see them targeting the tight ends, getting them more involved. Uh, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren were targeted eight times, and there were eight completions. That's a good stat. However, I just want to add in, Keandre Lambert-Smith was targeted six times, six completions. Tyler yeah. Warren, six for six. Trey Wallace, three for three. Dante Cephas, two for two. Theo Johnson, two for two. Liam Clifford, two for two. You seeing a trend here, Dusty? All well, of the court were... the quarterback was twenty two out of twenty six, so <laughs> so we could go down the line. But but yes, I I agree, I agree with the sentiment is that the efficiency targeting those guys and uh, but yeah the, the the tight ends six for six for for Warren was significant, and I'm, I'm curious to see by the way. You know, if, if that is going to ebb and flow, whether Theo Johnson's the guy that gets the six from one week to, to the next or whether Warren really is, you know, that that guy that they're going to target more. And I would venture to say, like, if you're looking, you know, let's say short of 15 yards, uh, Tyler Warren might be the more reliable guy. Well, and, and also I wonder how much of it is just dusty. There's enough different targets 
it's kind of like at running back. Do you care whether Singleton or Allen gets more carries? No. Yes. Now, at receiver, I think both Warren and Theo Johnson are credible targets. Obviously, Lambert Smith is. Obviously, Trey Wallace is. You're hoping that Dante Cephas, Liam Clifford, Malik McClain now are valid targets, and we haven't even mentioned Omari Evans yet. Yes. When you have that many credible targets, there's going to be weeks when you get yours. There's going to be weeks when you don't. When you win 63-7, I don't care. Yeah. Well, and – it all paints this picture, right? If you've got a quarterback who we've seen pretty much impeccable, you know, through the first two weeks of this season and, and probably a lot of last year too, it, judgment as far as what he's seeing from the defense, uh, who he anticipates being open, being able to make get get through his reads and find uh, where the most advantageous situation is. So if you've got a quarterback who can process that, that's one step of it. If you've got a quarterback who can really push the ball all over the field, including outside the hashes, you know, th- sideline passes. Uh, if you've got somebody who can, who can spray it everywhere, who makes the right read. And then I think, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about like, oh, the wide receiver one or the tight end one or whatever. Like, I, I don't think we maybe appreciated the depth or the potential depth of targets. And and I think that no matter what, no matter who and, and where they're lined up, and it could be Khalil Dinkins. It could be, you know, a little bit deeper down the line. Like they're viable targets everywhere. The quarterback's got a big arm and the quarterback's got a, got a great mind about him. So the fact that Penn state can distribute the ball so evenly and, and it can change from week to week. Like it, it really is a big strength. I think that's developing for this offense is that, uh, you can't really take any one guy away. And I, I don't think def- defenses are going to be like, oh, we got to ke- take Keandre Lambert Smith away. I think they're trying to blanket everything. And it serves Penn State well. As long as Drew Aller keeps you know, seeing what he's seeing and, and making these throws with accuracy, it really bodes well. I'm really glad you brought this back to Drew Aller because I think he's the guy that makes that go. And by the way, again, 63-7. to 7. 12 different receivers were targeted in this game, 12 of them, and 10 different guys had receptions. Let's talk for a moment about the other quarterback, Bo Prabula. He got got a lot of play, Dusty. Yep, very different than Drew Aller, but pretty impressive in his own right. Again, it was Delaware, but he he kept the sticks moving. Yeah, and you know, um, I watched what he was doing with what James Franklin said after week one in mind, kind of hinting at we're going to see that throughout the year. And then he, he didn't hint it after week two. He just came out and hammered people over the head with it like a frying pan. Like we're going to see Bo Perbola. That's going to make a difference. And I believe him. I, I, I think he's really playing that threat up to make sure like the preparation thing. He said teams are going to have to spend a lot of time preparing for that. They are. Uh, but I think it's not just a decoy like Bo Perbola, bring something different to the table, his running ability. I mean, I don't know, like it's still early yet, but I think it's better than Trace McSorley's. Uh, like, I, I think, I think he's a little bit more twitchy, uh, quicker than McSorley was uh, better than Sean Clifford. 
you know, you can say whatever about Will Levis. I don't think it's a fair comparison because that's all he did was run. Uh, but Bo Perbola is a really, really talented, effective runner. Like, I think he gets it. He knows he's got instincts. He's also a good enough athlete that you can put Bo Perbola and Drew Aller on the field at the same time. And whoever isn't getting the ball isn't necessarily a liability. So there's a lot of ways that they can go with this. But what we didn't have last year was any kind of variation of what Sean Clifford did versus what Drew Aller did. It made no sense to really go any kind of dual quarterback this or sub packages for Drew. None of that made sense. But it does make a lot of sense here now. And the only thing that gives me pause is that James Franklin is using his words to articulate this so much. It's like, is this is this going to be a decoy or what? But I, I do think we're going to see Bo in meaningful situations in Big Ten games because he's a legitimate threat, not just against the Delawares and the West Virginias, but I think he can do what he does against good defenses too. I think we might see it, Dusty. Not necessarily wait to see Michigan or Ohio State and take it out at the most critical time. I think he'll threaten to use it, then we'll finally see it like against an Illinois or against an Iowa, something like that, maybe with already a touchdown or two lead, just to show everybody else, hey, I'm not bluffing on this uh, Ohio State. I mean it. It's going to happen. And I think it'll still be, in the long run, pretty much a bluff but he wants them to think it's out there. Well, and it's a, it's a fine line at this point because like, obviously teams are going to see what Bo can do and they're going to respect the threat that he poses. And they're going to be like, okay, we got to watch for number nine, but we've only seen him in situations where the game was out of hand. We haven't seen him coming in the first half. We haven't seen any kind of sub package or any kind of uh, gadgetry or whatever. And I think the, the delicate place is that you've got to, for James Franklin, if you want other teams to be threatened to the point where they prepare for Bo Perbola, you've got to show him in real situations. And so I think they got to do that now without giving away anything meaningful later. So I think maybe you start to see that against Illinois. You see Bo earlier in a game and have him take off running just to make sure that the threat that he posed against backups is the same threat he can pose against you know starting defenders. Okay, Dusty, I want to see it. Drew and Bo in the game. Drew pitches it out to Bo. Drew goes out for a pass. And the completion from Perbola to Aller. Touchdown, baby. That is it for quarter three. Quarter four, we're going to actually look at some defense, Dusty. How about that? Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Dusty, I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State football. We're finally going to get to the defensive side of the ball. Okay. We already we did the one play, the sixty six yard run. Other than that, Delaware <laughs> ran for how how many yards did we decide that was? Fifty six. Fifty six. Yeah. Fifty six yards rushing. Otherwise, fifty eight yards passing. Dusty, you can't possibly find anything negative to say about this defense, can you? Well, now I mean, now you guilted me into being too negative early in the show, but. Uh, in our defense, by the way, I never really gave a defense for that. I get it. It was 63, seven. It was 99.99% positive, but you know what? Everybody's talking about that one play. So if everybody's talking about it, then we have a responsibility morally, ethically to talk about it too. But anyway, when uh, I the- think morality and ethics, I think you, <laughs> you Dusty. Think so. Absolutely <laughs> impeccable. But yeah, I mean, I think Delaware is not a bad FCS team and they've got a way that they, that they do things. They've got a philosophy. They've got a, they've got a foundation. And a lot of times in these matchups, you know, that foundation, it shines through, you know, you, they, they get to what they do. Uh, and that's, that's what they're relying on is getting to what they do. Delaware never got to what they do. They, they never even came close to getting to what they do. Uh, Everybody, everything was so rushed. Uh, the passing windows were were never really open. The quarterback was under duress all the time. The coverage was tight. Like like I said before, it, it was like they were playing against seventeen or eighteen guys out there, and that was the end product. Like it was just it was just absolutely stifling uh, across the board. And I think you know the, we talked about Penn State's pass rushers. Uh, after West Virginia, you know, and, and talked about like, well, they're going to have to have more production and blah, blah, blah. But I, I would say, and I'd be curious what you think, how many, like what percentage of snaps have other offenses take taken where their quarterback was affected in some way by Penn State's defense? Maybe not even a hurry. Maybe it wasn't a sack, uh, but, but affected and forced to move off his spot. You know, I think it was a lot of the time against West Virginia and it was really a lot of the time against Delaware. And ultimately, you know, sometimes you can't control the production end of it as pass rushers, as, as a group, but I think they've done their job through two weeks. And I think you're going to see the production start to mount uh, on that front. But really, you know, if you're making the quarterback go fast, if you're making the quarterback keep his eyes on the pass rush and not downfield, you're still doing your job and they've done their job each of the last two weeks, especially against Delaware. Yes, you, you can't argue with the end results. I, six for 17, that's what Delaware was passing the ball for a total grand total of 58 yards. Let's talk, though, Dusty, the whipping boys on defense have been the defensive tackles. It's hard to come to full conclusions when you're playing Delaware. However, how do you feel 
post-Delaware versus pre-Delaware about the defensive tackles. It was still a conversation last week against West Virginia. The 66-yard run, our unprofessional opinion was it, it was on a linebacker, okay, was the issue. Yeah. So how about the rest of this game? I mean, I, I feel like I don't know any more about the defensive tackles than I did before the, the not even just the week, but before the season began. You know, the same, I have, this, I have the same concerns and you can't really erase those concerns until you play a, a good team with a good committed run game. And, you know, West Virginia was kind of that, but you're going to see big boy football. Like Illinois has looked rough so far, but they're still threatening in that one particular way. And Brett Bielema is going to try like hell to make sure he gets to that position. And he, and he tests that group. So we'll see after, I feel like we'll learn a lot more next week, but there's no debating and there's no doubt that this group of defensive tackles is capable of delivering splash plays. I get that they can penetrate, that they're quick. Hakeem Beeman, we saw Zane Durant <clears throat> really start to look like a future star in this game against Delaware. I know that those guys have some special qualities about them. I just don't know if they're big, strong, and can anchor enough to, to really control a good, a good run game. We haven't really, and the results are still inconclusive. You know, I, I think Delaware, they broke that big one. Uh, I don't really put that on the defensive tackles, but um, you can't really judge them on that either. So I, I, I think that the defensive tackles will get involved in terms of tackles for loss and stuff like that. But the keys for them in the run game are penetrating, you know, not just holding the point of attack and making it hard for other runners, but making plays behind the line of scrimmage. <clears throat> if you can get that right formula and make that work for you, awesome. And I'm not ruling that out. I just don't think we can say with certainty just yet. Like wait until they see like a whole lot of beef at the two guard spots and the, and the center spot. Wait till they see, you know, three guys who collectively weigh a thousand pounds and then let's see what, what they're doing. But um, pe penetration is going to be huge. Making plays behind the line of scrimmage is going to be huge uh, for them more so than I think in years past because of all this. And I'm not saying it can't work that way, but I just don't know any more today than I did a few weeks ago. We will find out in the next two weeks with For Illinois sure. and Iowa. Um, I'm going to get to the point where last week we didn't even talk about Delaware in the upcoming game because I didn't think it was worth our time. We will hit Illinois at the very end, but before we get there, this is an opportunity to empty the bench, just about put everybody out there. Who among the youngsters impressed you in this one, Dusty? Boy, I mean, <clears throat> Jameel Lyons, uh, <clears throat> the defensive end from Philadelphia, we talked about him on the show before. Um, I was impressed; like he looked like a college defensive end uh, at at uh, in high school. So, you know that part of it didn't surprise me. But it seems like they have a very, very high opinion of him. And the sack that he made was a big hit where he was a few yards downfield in coverage. So that number nineteen is one certainly worth watching. I know he doesn't have the green light. But if you're going to have Smith Bilbert's already out, if you're going to have a mean man over dealing with stuff for a prolonged period of time, if you get another injury or whatever, uh, I, I, I think Penn State fans will have fun watching Jameel Lyons if he gets bumped into that green light category. So him for sure, like I, I thought he looked like a grown man uh, in high school and clearly that's that's carried over and he, he's made a name for himself inside Penn State's buildings. Um, King Mac made a play. You know, I think t Tony Rojas, I, Tony Rojas is one of those guys like maybe like with Abdul Carter, 
he's easing his way into a growing role. Um, but to me, I mean, get, get your, get your elite playmakers out there, especially at the linebacker position, uh, get those guys moving around, causing some chaos out there. I want to see more of Tony Rojas, uh, King Mac coming from that safety spot. He came from deep and laid a big hit on Delaware's quarterback. Like that, that's the speed factor. You know, that's something on film coming from that level and getting to the quarterback as quickly as he did. I think other guys are capable of doing that. Manny Diaz can dial that up, not just with, with King Mac, but uh, it's real hard to account for that safety back there when he's not showing blitz at all. So as Lyman, you're communicating, you're taking the guys in front of you, but that guy who is running a 4-3-40, uh, you don't really see him coming. So I thought I thought that was encouraging. Uh, Rojas was out there. I like what Trey Potts did. Uh, going north-south instead of east-west. We saw him running a lot of east-west the week before, and that is not his game at all. But if you get him going straight up and down, reading his blocks and just kind of exploding upfield, I like what we saw from him. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing a guy or two, but uh, this, this, was a, this was a good situation for them. And I think there were a couple guys on the offensive line who showed up. You know, <clears throat> we are already down Landon Tangwall, and I um, – I believe uh, Nelson was nicked up just a little bit. It truly was yeah. just nicked up. He was able Enough to not play. to start. Yeah. Right. So we got to see another personal favor from both of us. Vega Ioane got a lot of snaps. So yeah, that, that was, that was real nice to see. All right, Dustin, let's, we've got a couple minutes. Let's, let's do a little look ahead to Illinois yeah. In in a major upset, I am I gotta tell you, I am just totally shocked, shocked, I tell you, that Penn State is starting their Big Ten schedule on the road uh yeah. next week. Because that never happens. Only what, how many eight years in a row? So Isn't anyway. that ridiculous? <laughs> I, I it is ridiculous. It it is. And and I'm not sure I have a real problem with it because once you if you get that win under your belt you know, like they did against Purdue. I thought it was good for this team last year. I thought it was good for the team when they beat Wisconsin, I guess, the year before. But anyway, it's Illinois on the road. Illinois, boy, after a good season last year, the fighting Bielema's, we thought, you know, we're going to really be something. They squeaked out a win against, what, Toledo. And then Kansas handed it to them last week. It resulted in, as we speak, it's a 13-and-a-half-point spread. Penn State, obviously, the favorite in that one. Any take or feel on that game yet? Well, I mean, to me, it looks like it looks legit that Illinois is trying to figure it out on, on defense. You know, 28 points at home to Toledo and to squeak through there, 34 against Kansas. They're averaging 79 penalties, or 79 penalty yards a game. Uh, which is one of the worst in the country. They're giving up 224 rushing yards per game, one of the worst in the country. 478 yards total, uh, you know, one of the worst in the country. So if they don't tighten that part of it up, it doesn't really matter if they're dedicated and committed to the run and, and going with all those big guys in the formation. If Penn State had an offense in that nine overtime game, it wouldn't have gone nine overtimes. You know, if, if Illinois can't stop Penn State's offense, it doesn't really matter if they have success moving the chains offensively. You know what I mean? Like they're they're gonna Penn State's gonna create some big plays. It would seem uh, in this game. And I think 
if Drew Aller keeps doing what he's doing, this is another different type of challenge on the road. Uh, 11 o'clock Eastern start, quiet, kind of sleepy sort of game. It'll test his mental focus, but I, I haven't seen anything to think that he's not going to be pretty sharp. And uh, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, they're going to do what they do. Uh, they, Mike Yersa has pressed a lot of the right buttons so far. Penn State just has way too many athletes and somebody pulling the strings offensively that uh, that can get them in the right spots. As we touched on when you're we talking about who who all Drew Aller was 100% targeting last week. That that's a that's a good indication of of a good thing going defensively. Yeah, you're going to be able to you know answer some questions about your ability to stop the run. But again, if Illinois. Um, can't pose a threat through the air and they can't stop Penn State's offense. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be ad- advantage Penn State. And I frankly I like them to cover this game. 14 and a half. I like Penn State to cover that. Give me a prediction. Uh let's say uh I'm gonna say 34 13. All right. Very good. You got them easily covering on this one, Dustin. I do. I do. I I am impressed, and that would be Three straight games that they cover. Three covers, yeah. It's a winning streak. All right, Dusty, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.